Hey everybody, this is AJ and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. I'm going to put down that intro music volume wise that's still woozy is the artist and window is the name of that tune. Uh, If you're new to the Unnecessary Podcast, it's just a conversation based podcast with my friends and today we have Joy returning. What's up, Joy? Oh, man. Uh, not much. Just hanging out. Cool. Have, pandemic times. It is. It is November 2020 pandemic times. Have you ever heard of Still Woozy? Uh, I don't think so. Like, it sounds vaguely familiar. However, probably not. I'm pretty white. Well, he is super white. Um, oh. But it's... Uh, He's maybe only made 10 songs in his whole career, and they're all amazing, in my opinion. And they all have that kind of psychedelic funk, but like heavily produced, you know, um, modern electronic sound as well, uh, with a lot of like breakbeats. So, Interesting. yeah, it's so good. I really like that style of music, and it's all him making it, and I hope he makes more. But um, do you remember, I have a first question for you, Joy. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first album you ever owned? Hmm. I don't know if I, if I do, I do remember that. I think it probably came from one of those, like, do you remember those old, like, were they like Columbia music or whatever, where it was like, pay a dollar and get 12 albums and blah, blah. Mm -hmm. It was definitely pretty sure that was from that era. Mm -hmm. Uh. And the, I will say the one that I really remember the most getting first was um, Crazy in Love by Beyonce. Ooh, nice. I don't, I, I don't know if that was the first. However, like that sticks in my mind. Also, sure. Shaggy. There was the Shaggy oh, yeah. album. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Those were really impactful. I mean, those are, that's great music. I really like that music. <laughs> I think that's really, it's fun. I don't know that I would say that I think that that is like, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily feel like that is reflective of me as a person per se, mm. except in the sense of like, yeah, I was a teenager in the nineties. Uh-huh. Right. So yeah, of course I liked that. Well, it's so great. Like you can pinpoint like how old you are based on that information. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true. <laughs> and like, now I know so much about you. Um, both by that, I mean a little bit more about you, but obviously I know exactly how old you are now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I did. I will say this. Oh, I once, and I don't know if this was before or after that. However, I was really excited about finding a Depeche Mode tape at a uh, <laughs> at a garage sale once. Mm. And I was very excited to get that as well, that album. So That's a great, great find at a garage sale. Did you have like Sam Goody or any of re- any records like chain cd store growing up or as a teenager that you went to i wasn't i honestly wasn't that into music in a lot of ways i would say um especially with grunge and stuff like Mm. i would say in the early 90s in particular like 92 93 94 like around then i just didn't like popular music at the time and so i mostly listened to 
Cool 105, which was always playing oldies. Mm. And oldies at that time was actually like doo-wop and Motown and that kind of stuff. Right. And it's so creepy now when I like turn on Cool 105 and I'm like, is 80s music the oldies? Mm. I'm confused. <laughs> and then and then I realized like, oh, oldies are like whatever was popular when like 40 to 50 year olds were kids. Like if you're 40 or 50 now, what was popular when you were a kid? That's mm. oldies. <laughs> So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if like, so the thing is, you know, radio with, with like all these channels, I don't, I feel like it really expanded in the forties, fifties and sixties. I don't think there was like oldie stations back then, but now I want to look it up. Like what, what was there an oldie station in 1960 and did they play like the maple leaf rag? by Scott Joplin. Right. Did they have oldies yeah. back then or uh, what happened? Yeah. Or was that just like too uncool? I mean, are we, is oldies a totally postmodern thing or a right. post postmodern thing? Right. Cause like obviously growing up, like, you know, you, you come into the world and unless things are taught to you, you're just not going to know. So I just assumed everything was already there forever. Like all the mm. highways and all that stuff. It just existed forever magically. Um, but this, the oldies station I just assumed was like, had just started. Like when I first started listening to the radio, like that's when the oldies were invented and it was for, it was like you said, Motown, but maybe I'm just being, you know, a classic human. Mm -hmm. What were, sure. well, I'm, how do I Google this? What were oldies in 1965? Like I love, you know what I mean? <laughs> Were there oldies stations? Oh, fuck yeah. There's a Wikipedia article for oldies. So yeah, nice. um, golden oldies usually referred, refers to music exclusively from the 50s and 60s. See, oldies oh, radio okay. typically refers to artists such as Elvis, Presley, Chuck Berry, the Beatles, Jerry Lee Lewis. Of course, they list all men. But um, <laughs> yeah. It, Etta James. Exactly. And Nina Simone. Yeah. Although I'm sure uh, back then, like, like radio was probably heavily male dominated. I don't know. Yeah. Although I feel like Nina Simone is more modern than that. Or maybe she just has such a modern sound that that's why I wouldn't think of her as being from that era. Uh, yeah. She spanned a few decades, I guess. That's probably the other mm -hmm. thing, you know? And mm -hmm. she has that timeless yeah. sound. Mm hmm. Um, right. Because I've been listening to a lot of music from back then. Cause I'm writing a screenplay that largely takes place back then. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I love listening to Nina Simone, but like the song sinner man, um, I don't know if you know that one, but, uh, yeah, there's a couple from like nine, she came out with an album in 1965 and that might've been her first album. Hmm. Um, I believe sinner man was on, it's one of these like, uh, like c car commercial songs. Uh, let's see if I can hmm. see if I can get this. Yeah, you know this one. Oh, sure. It's like an Infinity's fucking driving down a dark, wet road. <laughs> I don't know. Four hundred a month, no down payments. Anyway, but yeah, I, lo I love. Lights are zooming shit. past. Right, right, exactly. You know. Anyway, that's <laughs> it's good shit. But yeah, there's a a lot of cool stuff like deep cuts from then. Mm -hmm. Um, I, d I loved looking through my parents' old albums, like their record collections mm -hmm. that they saved. And so they each had their own record collection that they kept. So I was able to like compare and contrast. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. And they're, 
are they were they still married like together the whole time and they sold their um, own record collections i think my they were divorced so like they got divorced when i was around 13 oh, and okay. and so i was getting into music right around then and so like 14 15 16 i was that's around the time when i was looking at their records and my dad had left all his old records in the basement of the house that i grew up in mm. so i would there were just hundreds. And I think wow. I like, I, I like saved. he was like, save me, you know, the, if you find this one or this one, save me. Cause he framed like a couple Beatles records, you know, mm, he had okay. like some, you know, whatever. Okay. Condition ones. But yeah, it was fun to, to see. I mean, they had so much overlap. It was ridiculous. They both loved like, <laughs> Paul McCartney and, and wings. It's <laughs> just <is> so funny. <laughs> and they both oh, loved that's Stevie right. Wonder. That's why we have a shared love of wings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, good stuff. Did you ever see like your parents' albums? I did. However, they, they weren't that into music and the music that uh, albums that I remember them having, like I remember the soundtrack to filler on the roof and the mm. soundtrack to the sound of music. Mm. And then a bunch of country and Western people that I couldn't even name because they're so uncool. <laughs> Like, Waylon like Jennings. A, yeah, I don't even know. Like, I could not <laughs> tell you because I could tell you, like, it wasn't Dolly Parton and uh -huh. it wasn't Johnny Cash. Like, if it was somebody that you would recognize right. today, no, it wasn't that. It That's was like, fun though. Yeah, deep cuts, like lame, and they the the, the faces just looked really lame on the album covers. Oh, oh yeah, just like <laughs> the mustaches and the leisure suits and everything and. Yes. All that kind of stuff. Oh, and then there was one really, really horrible album in particular, the um, like High God, which was this like children's religious music oh. from the 70s. Oh, oh. And because my some. family is very religious. Right. I probably know. And some. even as a kid, I would sometimes put that on and I'd be like, this is the most horrible thing ever. How <laughs> did anyone listen to this? Like, and I mean, I was a kid in the 80s, so it wasn't mm -hmm. like. Like, it's not like I have such great taste or know anything. However, even within like 10 to 15 years of that coming out, it was like, this is horrifying. Is it like, Why? Is, it, is it stuff like God said to Noah, go build yourself an archie, archie. You that? Now that it's kind of, however, <laughs> at least that's kind of cute and fun. Uh -huh. it, there was something about there. The quality of it was just so like high pitched and obnoxious and mm. like twee and mm. it, kind of Barney-esque in a way where it's like creepy. Like, why is this so dumb? Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't know. That's funny. Interesting. I, 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 now I'm dying in it. What, what was it called? Now you got to tell me. Hi God. Just like, hello. Oh, hi, hi. God. Hi. It sounds like. And then we had two, like the, uh, the second one. Cause apparently there was more than one. So hi God. Two yeah. Because you can't just say hi once. Oh, whoops. I, <laughs> I wrote, I was spelling it on YouTube and I spelled it high, like as I'm getting high, <laughs> like I'm high right. on God. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I had a feeling. I was like, yeah, I pictured gonna... God like fucking pushing off like a badass. All right. Um, <laughs> hi, God. What, what color is the God's skin? Holy shit. Carrie yes. Landry and Carol Jean Kinghorn. I feel happy that God made me. I think we got it. Different and unique. Is this it? Just as he made I don't you even know. I like avoided it so much. Special, it kind of seems like a hippie. All the world. This is real hippie-ish. No one else. Like cult. Exactly like me. Now kill everybody. You know. I I I mean, all religion, organized religion, kind of always creeps me out. Of each color. I, 
But this is cute. The, the song is called What Color Is God's Skin? And clearly God is clear. Oh, see, now that's possible that that is like way down on the list. I never even got to that point. Maybe. Like, I mean, that was a deep cut. I admit. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I would, I would sometimes put it on and like the first song, I'd just be like, no, no. Mm-hmm. So come along with me to Jesus. I can't. No, see, I, I don't want to. I can't do ever since I was a teenager. Like I couldn't do the idea of God as a person. Like, you know, all the metaphors, all every time that a Christian talks about God, I, I, they will, they will admit that they're using symbolic language and that mm. the eternal Lord is not these things that they're saying. However, it's still overly simplistic language for my taste. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I prefer a more sophisticated brand of phenomenology, um, like the study of existence. And so I prefer Buddhism. I think it's more sophisticated. And I think Christianity is so simple where they're like, what color is God's skin? And it's like, this is not even the answer is God doesn't have skin. Obviously the answer there, the answer is there, the answer is there is no God. And like the real answer is so much more complicated. Like you are God. Moo. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the answer is yes. You present a cow that you must milk. That. Well, no, isn't that isn't that like a Buddhist? The M U like moo. Oh, like oh, a... yeah, yeah. I was thinking. Um, I was thinking like a cow's moo. Um, <laughs> are you thinking of um or or mew? I guess the concept of mew is probably a thing. I don't. I don't. From what from what I know, moo is like yeah. the question has yeah. no meaning. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. It's like a koan type thing, meaning mm-hmm. not have without. Oh, it's it's oh, it's going to be a mind fuck learning this. I bet I bet Buddhists spend their entire life trying to understand mu. <laughs> you know, they send themselves into all kinds of spirals. Right. Well, from my Western and culturally Christian point of view, it just means that question is meaningless. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you might as well just milk a cow. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Hindus would certainly appreciate that. Obviously, right. they, they really worship them some cows. <laughs> um, uh, on my, this is, uh, my friend is married to um, not a Hindu, but uh, a Jain. Oh, um, wow. Oh, that's intense. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, she grew up in like a Jainism, Jainist family. I don't even know how to spe- pronounce it or say it, but um, it's like similar to Hinduism, but like those Jains, yeah, like they'll, they have to cover their faces so they don't like breathe in and kill any bugs. Like they're so intense on not killing living things. Right. Do they also like sweep the ground in front of them so they don't step mm. on anything? And yeah, it's that kind of thing. So she's not, she's not a practicing like adherent to it. Okay. Um, I don't think her family were like strict adherents to it. I think there's like different levels or castes sure, like or any whatever. Religion. Yeah. There's lay people and there's, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she came to the U S and studied in, I think Massachusetts and she's like an engineer at IBM and she's a badass, like a, a mom of two genius kids. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, she, and she's a vegan and I find it really interesting. Also, they have an internal debate about eggs in their family, (laughs) about whether you can eat eggs. So she is afraid of, I I suppose she's afraid of accidentally destroying a fertilized egg. 
Okay. I guess, even though she's pro-choice. So, like, I don't know where, I don't know. Well, if she's vegan, though, then she wouldn't be eating eggs anyway. However, I could see how it would be like a ovalacto type. Well, this is like a, well, this is, eggs is like a topic, like people are divided, like in the, in the, I guess vegan is a different thing, but like the not eating things that destroy animals, like Mm -hmm. eggs apparently is like a hot button issue and like the Hindu (laughs) Jain community. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Because it's like, if the egg is unfertilized, then you're good to go. Then it's like, Mm. you know, it's a byproduct of this chicken's natural life. I think, I don't know how chickens work. So maybe you have to force them to get that way. I don't know. I mean, it's like the chicken was... Was having its period. I don't know, man. Right. It's like milking a cow, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Um, But if the egg is fertilized, then you're destroying it unnecessarily. Um, But Kyle's like, our neighbor, our neighbor has the chickens and there's no chance of it being, being fertilized because there are no male chickens over there. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, I think, a funny internal debate at their family. (laughs) That, it is funny. I could see... There, there's that balance between like sort of your ideals and then how you actually interact with the world. And there are times when like, yeah, if you're getting eggs from your neighbor and there are no roosters around, like it's impossible. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, however, that like in the broad scheme of things, it's not, it's not that way. And so that can be a difficult, sometimes that's just tiring, honestly. It is. <laughs> Yeah, no, I have to like oh, make those distinctions like, oh, fuck it. No, I'm just not going to eat eggs. I don't care if it's fine. I'm just not going to do it. I'm too tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it is really jumping through a lot of hoops there to make sure you're, I don't know, morally in line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but th- we use we use these religious examples, uh, me and my friend Kyle, who's married to this woman, we use Mm. these examples in our political debates with our conservative friends Mm. because we say like, you don't want a religious fundamentalist government um, uh, because just because you think that something is moral doesn't mean that everybody else does. And so like we talk about this when it comes to abortion, Mm -hmm. we're like, uh, in India, it is like a sin. Like if you're Hindu, it's like mm-hmm. a grave sin to murder a cow and especially eat it. You know, might as well be fucking mm-hmm. murdering and eating a human. Mm-hmm. And so if we had a Hindu society um, that like the, where the government was Hindu, we would, we would make um, eating beef illegal. Mm-hmm. And that's like ridiculous to conservatives. And so we try and use these things to make a point. Like you'd be fucking tried for murder if, if, the religion was different. So like, don't use religion as like a moral compass. Don't use it as a policy compass. Um, it's hard, but those things need to be divorced from like whatever your chosen religion is telling you to do. I, I agree with you and I can see how that, I, I feel like that would not be a good argument to make with conservatives because I don't think they would care. (laughs) Sure. I don't know. Maybe that works in your discussions. I personally wouldn't take that tack just because it's like, well, those Hindus, they're heathens and we're in America and this is a Christian country. So, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of the fact of that or not, that to me is the, the position that a lot of that 
type of person is in. So. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we also, we back this up with some, there's like a lot of scientific evidence showing the intelligence of cows. Hmm. And it's like cows are like compassionate, thoughtful, emotional beings. Hmm. And like they express themselves leaps and bounds above a fetus. <clears throat> and so hmm. these conservatives, they move the goalpost from one excuse to the other, but oh, one, of course, right. But before they move the, one of their goalposts before they move it is that, um, you shouldn't kill a fetus because it's, you know, a living thing. And it's like, well, mm. cows are like 20 times the living thing that fucking fetuses are. So don't give me this. And then they'll move the goalpost and they'll be like, yeah, but humans can like create things and, and they're like, they're more valuable. And it's like, now you're just a speciesist. Which I, right. Like, <laughs> well, I think one of the, one of the problems I guess I have with the whole don't kill a living thing is that it's like, well, plants are living things. Now you're like a kingdomist. Mm -hmm. No, totally. I that's why, and that's why I'm not yet a full vegetarian. Um, mm. I'm eating more plant-based stuff because of the environmental impact more than mm -hmm. any living or living thing argument. Because mm -hmm. when I when I eat meat, I think about like I've I'm this this entire animal's life was given up so that I can have one meal and like calories mm -hmm. for the next four hours, but I meditate on it and I try to appreciate it. And, um, and I'm like, eh, that's the way of the world. But then, but with factory farming and the, the, the environmental impact now, now I'm like cutting, cutting back, but because yeah. yeah, because I believe that trees are alive. I think it's ridiculous <laughs> to think that like, tr like, I, I guess trees don't feel pain the same way we do, but I don't think trees like it when we cut them down. Like if, right. if a tree <laughs> had a like, choice. Oh, fine. <laughs> yeah, like the idea of self-preservation is an eternal fact of biology. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're, we're just drawing like an arbitrary moral line at a certain level of, of um, complexity. Right. So I guess, and for me... I also think that, you know, the factory farming, I guess I don't just think, I think it's just a fact that factory farming is bad for the world, for people, for the animals Yeah, uh, on so many levels, environmental impact, yeah. all kinds of things. Um, however, to me, I mean, what interests me is more like, oh, then I want to grow my own food and have my own, you know, source of meat. So it's like, because I don't necessarily think eating meat is wrong. Mm -hmm. I just think that our system is wrong. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that it's, it's its own radical change. Just like I think veganism is, you know, it's a kind of a radical position and then mm. wanting to grow your own food is its own radical position. Yeah. And like you said, it's so, all of this is so exhausting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it's a rabbit hole. And I think it's so important to, just try, try to do more, to do better for yourself, uh, mm -hmm. you know, better than you have been doing. But if you, when you hit the point where you're exhausted or you're stressed out, it's like, that's when you, um, you can chill. Oh, a therapist once told me a little bit of anxiety goes a long way, <laughs> 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 which is really funny for anxious, for people with anxiety. You know what I mean? Like you can go down that rabbit hole and it's like, mm. you only need a little bit of that to be like a healthy person. I've heard in terms of parenting, people say like, if you're questioning whether you're a good parent, that means you're a good parent. Like mm. that little bit of anxiety goes a long way kind of mm -hmm. thing. 
Okay, complete subject change here. Are Please. you growing a mustache? <laughs> so it's November. And, oh, okay. And, and here's the thing. I'm probably going to shave it. It's like when, when Eva's complaints reach a threshold point. Right. Um, it'll go away. Because like really, I should just be making myself um, palatable to her. <laughs> Because she has to see me more than anybody, especially in COVID, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's ridiculous for me to like do anything for myself uh, physically <laughs> because she is the one who has to see me all the time. So I'm, I'm like, this is, so that's why my hair is like the way it is and um, probably gonna have to shave it. I can't, I'm really thin in the hair, the facial hair area. Okay. Um, and so I can't really grow in, in the middle of the lip. <laughs> the clef, I guess, or the palette, sure. like whatever that is. The the bow. Yeah. Um, and I I told her it would need to be like the the Gomez Adams style. Oh, <laughs> I think totally. that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm afraid it's probably gonna be gone tonight. I'm glad you can catch it on the Zoom. That's delightful. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, that's not just a shadow. Is that your subject change? Mm-hmm. Was that the subject change? That yeah, you, that was okay. the whole change. Great. And that's, I, I wasn't sure that was going to go anywhere. I don't know. Did you want to, we could also talk about election stuff. Yeah, I do. Yeah, let's get to election stuff. Um, you were talking about convincing conservatives and you're right. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty much impossible. Um, and just like it would be impossible for me to be convinced of any conservative policy viewpoint. Mm. Um, although I, I'm, often swayed to pro second amendment, like pro gun rights. Um, Mm. as a libertarian, I would be down for a civilian militia anyway, but I wanted to get to this point and then I want you to want to hear your thoughts on the election. Um, I want to have more bipartisan conversations. Like I want to try and get more conservatives on here. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. I've had unrecorded, um, what, what we call libs versus jibs (laughs) with these, (laughs) these like conservative white guys from the East coast that I'm friends with and friends of friends. Sure. And we get on zoom and, and, the, and, and it's, it's the level of brainwashing is astronomical uh, mm-hmm. coming from them, but I'm really empathetic and, and um, I am a populist. So I think there's a lot like we can find common ground on mm-hmm. with, with uh, working class stuff. And I don't like neoliberalism. So there's like plenty for me to bash, you know, and to get on mm-hmm. board with them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, man, you're not like other, other people on the left. And I'm like, I tell them right off the bat, like I'm a socialist. Like you're like, I'm way to the left. Like you're going to see. And they're like, you're not like all the others. And I'm like, I am like, I'm just Mm -hmm. like all the others. It's just that we're talking and if not worse. Right. Right. Exactly. In their their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, and, and sometimes, and, and it seems like their minds are never changed. It seems like you end a four hour conversation and they haven't moved one percentage, but Mm -hmm it seeps in like psychologically. And I think it's the emotional connection that the like saying, like, I see where you're coming from. I understand you think this is life or death for you and your policies Mm -hmm. are like, you think are important, are so important in saving lives just like I do. And so like, I appreciate that. Um, And I think that's what allows it to seep in. It's like the emotional openness that I try and bring makes them a little bit more open Um, but my one friend who loves Trump in Pittsburgh voted for Biden, um, Hmm. after like four years of being on this ongoing online group chat with my college friends, um, he still loves Trump, but he was like, he didn't do enough in the four years. And I think I 
confident hmm. that like us That's talking cool. to him. Yeah, change it. So anyway. Although, I mean, that doesn't totally surprise me. I, I feel like there definitely has been a certain level of, well, I mean, polarization just in general, of course. However, even with Trump supporters of like people who are like, yeah, I really supported him four years ago. And for whatever reason, whether it's because he didn't do enough or because it was all just a troll anyway, four years ago or whatever, it was like, oh, we're not doing that again. <laughs> no way. And then other people, of course, that are just, you know, are doubling down and, and putting all those flags and stickers on their, their pickup trucks and having parades. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. The brainwashing is, is real. Very effective. The Republicans, you know, I think their marketing has been so good. I think it might mm -hmm. take like a full generation. It might take 25 years to, um, grow out, have us grow out of this if we could. You know, whenever yeah. this period, whenever we start healing this, it's going to take, I think, a generation. Right. That makes perfect sense, honestly. Yeah. <sighs> so it's November 6th. And did is has there been a declared winner for the 2020 presidential election? Not that I know of. However, I mean, I definitely have been avoiding leaving the house or talking to anyone over the last couple of days. Like I had to go to work on or I went to work on Wednesday guess I, I chose that that was a good choice for me to go to work. And some people were kind of talking, some of my coworkers were kind of talking and I was like, I'm going to put my earbuds in and listen to Pandora now. Yeah. So I was super avoiding it. And then I think I saw something about Donald Trump, you know, uh, filing some lawsuits in Pennsylvania, maybe somewhere else. So maybe those were declared for Biden and, and that quote unquote, isn't right. Is stealing. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, CNN, doesn't have anything about calling it says Biden's lead grows. So I guess we're still in limbo here. And yeah, like you said, we have shenanigans by, by Trump's administration, um, mm -hmm. which could either slow things down or at worst eliminate our democracy temporarily. Right. Like if the courts, you know, if the courts are like, mur, mur, we're giving it to Trumpy. I don't know yeah, if that'll so happen. Cause there's so many States, you know, it's not just one state <clears throat> like in Florida, in 2000, mm -hmm. the election was given to George Bush. Right. By people yes. like Amy Coney Barrett, by the way, who was, who worked for the, uh, the attorneys who were suing the federal government. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, so yeah, the, as you know, the Supreme court ordered votes to, to stop being counted in Florida and which gave mm -hmm. Bush the election. So I guess that could happen, but there's like a lot of States in question and there's enough Republicans who are saying like, our institutions matter. And also I won reelection. Oh. <laughs> Therefore shut up Trump. Like, like Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham are, mm -hmm. are not on the side. So like essentially the, the GOP, like the Republican party is not on the side of Trump on this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess his lawyers are, and that's technically the GOP, but like, I think it's going to be okay. Democracy wise. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think so too. I was really scared though before the election. Yeah. I really, I really work not to be scared of stuff that I think is silly. I think just the fact that Trump is so crazy, it's hard for me to tell like what is silly and what isn't. Yeah. Oh, of course. It's impossible. So much to of tell. our media is based on fear mongering too. Right. That's right. That like I, 
that's part of the reason I avoid the media just because of all mm. the fear mongering and, and it's a good point. So it's a good point. Yeah. I thought that um, like Trump would close, he would like order Republican governors. Like I thought he was going to order Brian Kemp to close polling locations in Atlanta Oh, wow. um, by saying, by saying like there was a threat of like, like a terrorist threat oh, it's completely sure. unproven. It's fucking mm-hmm. post nine 11. You can just like pull mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah. Like, oh, it's an imminent. We got, we got four bomb threats. Right. They yeah. might even plant a bomb. Like they're like, what? Well, oh. I, I don't know what they're capable of. You know what I mean? Oh. So anywho, yeah. that, that didn't happen, which I thought was great news. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. Um, what's funny about, I want to have. I want to have like this podcast space be for bipartisan conversations, but a lot of conservative people don't want their names attached to their opinions. Hmm. Like when they get honest and when we also because they want to have honest conversations and they don't want, they're afraid of cancel culture more than progressives. And so Mm. they don't want something that they said, getting them fired or like losing a business opportunity. Um, they're so oh, afraid of that, even though we don't use last names. And even though fucking my mom and three other people are the only listeners, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're like, no, like my name can't get out, can't get out there because I said that all children are stupid. And like, <laughs> well, like, you know, I mean, it's the internet. You never know, especially when, you know, tweets from 15 years ago are now, you know, being dug up and that kind of stuff. So I can see certain, a certain amount of paranoia there. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm, I'm just not one of those people who ever thinks I'm going to be important enough for anyone to care. Right. 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 Like, right. I was thinking I mean, about that. Yeah. Possible. Either. Yeah. This podcast will either be, um, you know, like a, 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 a treasured relic of your rise to, to fame. Right. <laughs> and like when your genius is discovered, people will come back to this episode <laughs> Um, for inspiration and to see like where the seeds were and where it all began or how humble she is. She never thought that's right. Who would have thought that this, she was going to fucking cure the world hunger problem just by convincing everybody through logic. Um, or we society, human society is on a downward trajectory and, and in our impending complete doom, uh, and dist- extinction, the aliens will come down hundreds of years from now and find this audio file and like try and recreate what society was like in 2020 <laughs> based on this. Yeah, this is what they'll find and then it'll completely distort their view of what humanity was actually like. Mm-hmm. Or everything will snap into focus. They'll be like, oh, like that's why the total fucking planet that's why, like, we came to this desolate. It looked like Venus when they landed. You know what I mean? Right. Like the greenhouse is so bad, and like, and nothing's inhabitable. They find this audio file, and they're oh, the beef. People are eating beef. This is stupid. <laughs> they didn't solve like livestock waste and and like that problem. You know, right. they they could find all the answers. Like the politics are all, oh, Trump was president. <clears throat> I was thinking about how I was thinking about how so much so many people in our society have now vilified poor people. Like we mm-hmm. view poor people and the working class as stupid, uh, worthy of their position, um, mm-hmm. unworthy of, of, of quote unquote handouts. Um, we have like, have like so many people in this society have vilified poor people so much. And I think that is exemplified that Donald Trump is our president. Like the flashy, mm-hmm. everything in my mansion is gold in New York mm-hmm. city. 
and I, I'm not really rich, but I'm going to tell you I'm so fucking filthy rich and you're going to be so rich and we're all going to be rich. And it's like, it's so disgusting. Like what a corruption of, of like human character, you know, mm-hmm. to hate working class people. And um, I think when the aliens find this, they're going to be like, oh, of course society of like Trump is your president. Like how much of a harbinger is that? Well, and then they'll also watch Idiocracy and be like, yeah, that was real history. Yes. At least we have documentation was. of like Mike Judge being like, we we, we weren't all that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. What a, what a gem of a movie. <laughs> uh, so what, what are your other thoughts about this election? Hmm. Well, I guess since we were talking about that connection between people and fear of cancel culture. One other thing I was thinking about, so you had, you sent me a link about, um, uh, stop the steal, stop the steal (laughs) (laughs) and that getting shut down. And apparently I didn't even know what that was. And then I looked up and I was like, Oh, of course, of course there are people chanting, stop the steal. Don't steal the election from Trump. Yeah. The Dem Biden is stealing the election. Stop the steal. Yeah, and so stop, so stop that from happening. And uh, the interesting thing to me about that is that those fears are so uh, relevant or so personal to me. I mean, just like what we were talking about earlier, of like, oh, it's going to be fine or it's going to destroy our democracy. I think that everyone is having that same feeling, mm-hmm. like it's going to be fine or it's going to destroy our whole country. Mm-hmm. And just the it's just the direction that you're looking, you know, Mm -hmm. that you either think that Biden is going to destroy the country or you think Trump is going to destroy the country. However, you're so that fear of destroying the country and, and the voter fraud. I mean, there is so much voter fraud. Like that's a real thing. That's a real thing to be worried about. Mm -hmm. Just not a thing for Republicans to be worried about because historically speaking, they are the ones who have done that. Mm -hmm. Like that is at least recently in the last, you know, 30 years, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. That's really been their, their thing. Um, so a lot of the things that, that Trump talks about are real issues. It's just they're real issues in the opposite way of what he means <laughs> them. So when he says, you know, mm. fake news is out there and it's a real threat, it is a real threat. <laughs> Everything that he says is mm. fake news and is a real threat. Great analysis. This is a great take. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's perfect so, projection. The projection is perfect. Yeah, and so, so it is very. Um, I can I can really empathize with that. Those feelings of, you know, fear and alienation and not being heard and not feeling like I have power. Um, so yeah, the, we all have that, and that's that's real. So how do we connect? that in a personal way with Mm. others, especially people who don't agree with us politically Mm. and maybe find some common ground because even people who, you know, I think are crazy or wrong. Like I know, I know Trump supporters personally and they are good people. Like they, I think that they are misguided in certain political beliefs. However, they're not bad. They're just doing the best that they can with what they have and um, Mm -hmm. and yeah. And the fact that there is all this fake news and misinformation out there that is being targeted. I mean, at everyone, however, I feel like especially at them, like Mm -hmm. you're talking about the brainwashing. um, It's yeah. The fact that 
that this whole idea that, you know, like the whole, the facts don't care about your feelings, you know, thing, um, where it's like, yeah, well, they don't care about your feelings, whether you're on the left or on the right, you know? (laughs) So there are, there are (laughs) facts that I'm sure people on the left don't want to hear. and don't want to agree with. It's just that there are more facts Mm. that the right just doesn't want to hear. Um, and, and it's not even, and I don't even think it's the people, the individuals themselves, like, like with the brainwashing, it's not like people chose to believe this. Mm -hmm. There are machines out there, um, rich political people who Mm. are creating this propaganda and pumping out, churning out all this misinformation and disinformation intentionally (gasps) for their agendas. Yes. You're so right. Great point. Uh, my my conservative friends are saying. Sorry to interrupt. Um, my no conservative reason. friends are saying now that this these recounts are happening, or now that these absentee and, and mail in ballots are like starting or finishing count being counted like four days after the election. Mm-hmm. My conservative friends are like, you can't deny that it's a fact that the more mail in ballots you have, the more the more the less trust you have in an election. Like the <laughs> like. The more chance, and, and one of my friends was like, I got my brother's ballot. Like I could have filled it out for him because he used to live here. And I was like, um, yes, I like, I have to, I have to, I have to admit, like, I think they're right. However, I think the risk goes up from like 0.1% to 0.2%. Um, like the he was well he was saying trust in the election goes down i'm sorry that's what he was saying mm, like okay. it's undeniable that like the more mail in ballots you have and the more late received ballots you have the less trust you have in the democratic process and that's like a Pause, really dangerous though, thing where does this guy live uh pittsburgh pennsylvania so not in colorado all Correct. right continue yes exactly i can't, i always bring up how great our mail in colorado system is and we've been doing it for like 5 6 election cycles now yeah um but I'm like, yeah, you're right. It does lower trust. Um, however, that's on you, first of all. <laughs> like, just because you don't trust, again, it's the projection mm. thing. <laughs> just because you don't trust the mail-in ballots doesn't mean that, like, they're not, they're not trustworthy. trustworthy. Right. right. And, like, I could see your trust going from, like, 99% to 98%, you know, if you're doing mail-in ballots. Like, ah, oh, some people <laughs> might, get like, be weird about it. Um but Trump, uh, as to your point, Trump and his propaganda and like the Fox News propaganda and the GOP propaganda has taken people's trust in mail-in balloting from 98% down to like 48%. Mm-hmm. So the propaganda mm-hmm. has exaggerated greatly the inherent psychological trust issue that somebody will have because tr- their, their psychology is not rational. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so the propaganda will fucking play on that irrationality and just p- 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 pump it up mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. it's five times the size that it should be. Crazy. Absolutely. Crazy. But Hey, Trump is fucking out. Joy. He's done. I mean, I'm, I, everyone's being cautious cause he owns the courts. Um, and oh. they think that like the courts could give it to him or they think that like state legislatures, um, because there's nothing in the federal constitution, there's nothing in constitution about elections, except they say that it's up to the States. So like oh. people are like the state elector, like the legislator in Pennsylvania is Republican. And so they could give their electoral college votes to Trump and it's technically constitutional. Oh. Um, and like, it's unclear what the penalties are for that. <laughs> so people are like freaked out about 
mm-hmm. what they would call a constitutional crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not good. But I'm confident that that won't happen because it seems like the GOP, like all these major players like McConnell, they're all like separating themselves from him and they're like, he's wrong. That's not happening. Fox News is saying he's wrong. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's they're impressive. like, he's wrong to call the election. He's wrong to say this is fraud. Um, also, like the federal judge in Pennsylvania. <laughs> this is so great. Um, the the Republicans in Pennsylvania were like, the, um, the Democrats are are fucking with our election because they are not allowing Republican election officials to look at the ballots. And it's Pennsylvania law that when when available, you need a Republican and a Democrat to literally sign off on every ballot. Same sure. same here. Um, and the Republicans were like, they're not even letting us in the building. They're kicking us out. This is fucking nuts. It's a conspiracy. And people are mm-hmm. up in arms. And so they get to the judge. They get to the fucking court. And under penalty of perjury, they finally have to tell the truth. And after being pressed on it, they were like, actually, there were 17 GOP operatives in the Philadelphia room that were claiming there were none. Um, <gasps> there were 17 officials in there. And like, we're just totally lying. And so the judge was like, there's no fraud going on here. Like you're just lying. Right. So yeah. It out. But it's like, that's, that's what they're dealing with. So it's up to the judge to, to see the truth. Yeah. That, I mean, it, in some ways it does not surprise me. It just horrifies me mm-hmm. that it's just, it's just right. okay to lie. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think one of the things I've been hearing being criticized people on the left is um, being too, too nice or rolling over or not taking a stand Mm. on some of these things. And I guess it's, it's just so funny to me because, or it's just difficult because it's one of those things where it's like, well, no decent human would ever fucking do that. Right. Like, so how do you deal with people that are just like, I don't even know what they are or who that, why they would do that or how, like how, do I say, come the fuck on, man? Like you're just lying. And how do I hold you accountable when like, you don't, you don't give a fuck about telling the truth. Like what? It's just, it's, I'm just flabbergasted, which is, I mean, in a way is very libbed hard, you know, silly, you know, heart on my sleeve. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the clamped or I'm, I'm overwhelmed. You know, I just, (laughs) you know, I, I get that that is a silly thing. And at the same time, it's like, well, when I meet people, even no matter what their political affiliation is, when I meet people, they are generally good and generally honest. Mm. So I honestly don't know how to deal with this kind of lying and corruption and just insanity. Mm-hmm. How to yeah. hold them accountable. Yeah. It's funny. Like I always heard about brainwashing growing up, you know, mm-hmm. and I guess I always wondered what that would look like. And that's what it looks like. Somebody who is loving and who gives to charity and who like donates their time and effort to charity and like, and, and has a profession that does good things for people. I know, conser- mm. like, I know like maybe a dozen conservatives that are like that. Cause I have a lot of family that are like quote unquote cop families and okay. um, I have firefighters in my family and um, just generally like older conservative people who don't, didn't have college educations. And then I have tons of friends who are conservative and, they're all like good people. And then like mm-hmm. you said, they'll turn around and be like, Oh, well there's, they're kicking out all the Republicans of the voting p- places. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go through this like 30 minute goalpost moving argument 
to, to show them and you show them literally the court statement saying that like, no, they, they had plenty in there. So yeah, it's, it's an uphill battle. Right. Like they just, they just lied. They just lied and convincing people that they just fucking lied. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not easy <laughs> to find that, that evidence. Have you, um, have you learned or re- like read about or watched any like interviews about Noam Chomsky, the socialist not, hero? Not recently. I mean, I have, um, obviously I'm familiar with Noam Chomsky. Be surprised. Do, a lot of people I aren't. do consider myself, you know, a libtard. So yeah. I know libtards who have never like really heard of him, which I think is, <gasps> um, yeah, I think that's funny. And I'm like, oh, well, you need to like drop everything and see how badass this guy was. But he he had this awesome view on propaganda, you know, and he would say like in an authoritarian government, you don't actually need propaganda. You have the cudgel. You have um, authoritarian rule. You can put people in prison who disagree with you. You can mm-hmm. murder people. You can have concentration camps. Um, in a, You also have propaganda, but it's not as important in a democracy that is where propaganda is super important. And he goes mm. all into how you need to manufacture consent and how also consent is manufactured often subconsciously. Um, mm. You know, people who hoard a lot of resources, who, who are born into a lot of resources and have them and want to keep them, um, often their, their despicable policies, you know, and despicable business practices are carried out subconsciously. Uh, to back mm-hmm. to like the, it's kind of like the brainwashing thing, how they can be like normal people and then be like, oh, the GOP's not allowed to count any ballots. And also uh, sweatshops are good for Bangladesh. Um, right. And so then like, uh, I lost my train of thought, but I think the world is crazy for things like that. Well, yeah. Oh, you're talking about Chomsky and propaganda and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and, and the, that manufacturing that kind of mm-hmm. consent and, yeah, um, there are so many things that if you're just not exposed to it, you don't realize that you're not exposed to it. I mean, I think that's basically the definition of privilege in this sense, and especially in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I grew up here in Colorado. It's very white. I, you know, never really thought of myself as being racist and then going other places and learning and just, just knowing and not even fully understanding the institutional and structural racism. However, Mm. just seeing how much I benefit from that, Mm. whether it's my choice or not, it just happens, um, was really shocking and appalling and, you know, painful for me. And it, and it's painful right now. I mean, like I was just talking to a friend earlier about how, like, you know, well, you know, everything's fine and everything sucks. Cause you know, it's 2020. (laughs) So, that's just what's happening. Right. And, and the, and that I felt, I literally feel guilty about the fact that my own white middle-class privilege means that I can be like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Like yeah. everything sucks and it's fine. Whereas there are people that do not have the luxury of saying, Oh yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah. And just not seeing, not seeing those things, mm-hmm. um, not being exposed to them can make it much easier to, have your insular beliefs mm-hmm. and not be empathetic towards others. Cause everybody you see is like you. So of course it makes sense. And if, yeah, you know, those people, they must be lazy or stupid or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. Or grateful. 
Yeah, and it's unreasonable to expect people to be woke and progressive if they're not exposed to those ideas and not exposed to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, fortunately, I was somehow, like, I wasn't just ingrained with that. Um, I'm essentially bucking my class uh, being a socialist. Mm-hmm. Um, like, considering, like, where I came from and my, my mm-hmm. personal status. Um, and I think it's because I, my... I'm a third generation American. So my grandparents were immigrants mm-hmm. and, or second, I don't know what generation that, whatever the fuck that is. My grandparents were immigrants. And so I think that they had hard lives and, mm-hmm. um, they, inst- and I was raised partially by my grandfather, but like my parents had that work ethic and just got lucky in the second half of the 20th century with like us economic growth that they were a part of in the Northeast. Mm. So mm-hmm. they were just able to ride this incredible wave being, being white presenting um, at that mm-hmm. time, Italian Americans became white. So um, mm-hmm. they just got really lucky, but I, I guess, I don't know, somehow I was, you know, instilled with like a sense of working class values and that's why I'm a socialist. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say by my history is similar, at least my, my family history is similar with immigrate immigrants mm-hmm. and then white presenting and that kind of stuff. So yeah, the fact that being that I'm middle class is something where I was like, Oh, that is so, that's so true. Even if I don't necessarily have like the best job or the same kind of college degree that most middle class people would have, or that I would expect that they would have. um, That's completely who I associate with what my class is. Mm. And, and yeah. And at the same time, yeah, I mean, my, my grandfather was a cattle rancher, you know, like mm-hmm. my dad didn't have, you know, um, running water when he was a kid. It wasn't until he was probably maybe 12 that they wow. like had running water in the house and plumbing mm-hmm. that they had plumbing instead of an outhouse mm-hmm. and, and they didn't have a telephone until the late eighties. So like, I uh, remember them not having a telephone yeah. and they used, they use CB radios. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's like, Appala- like it's like Appalachia. Now. It sounds like yeah. you grew up in West Virginia. Yeah. So I knew, and this is Southern Colorado mm. and other, other great grandparents of mine, you know, most of, a lot of them are like coal miners mm-hmm. in Southern Colorado. And so there is, there's a socialist tradition uh, in that community in Southern Colorado of, of Eastern Europeans and coal miners. Um, so that's, it's also part of my, my history, I would say, as a family. Mm-hmm. However, it would be easy to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm white and I'm middle class and I live in the white, you know, Midwestern Denver, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I, we brought ourselves up by our bootstraps and I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, the, so the like grassroots socialism that actually apparently immigrants brought here like we wouldn't. I mean, we, the American revolution was known as like a conservative revolution of landowning mm. people, which is pretty rare amongst revolutions, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And we needed immigrants to come in to form unions and to like boycott and strike like the bread and roses strike from, from Massachusetts and like the, the Pinkerton rebellions, like all the coal miner strikes and like, mm-hmm. just like out in Colorado. Um, yeah. Those were like largely immigrants, a lot of women, Um, and people don't, people think that socialism is like, you know, an elite 
intellectual thing. Like Karl Marx was an intellectual. Um, and, and of course like Stalin and, um, authoritarian communists were like political leaders, but most socialist action, as you know, is like working desperate working class people willing mm-hmm. to take bullets from the police or strike breakers, um, to fucking get shit done and to like exercise collective power. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that in the U S so many people don't realize that like socialism is fed up desperate working class people. And it's not just intellectuals. Like I'm an, in, like we're intellectuals and scholars mm-hmm. and like we, th- what's great about socialism is you have both of those working together, but it's really working class action, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but- Oh, I was going to say a great Twitter feed. If you're on Twitter is, um, Candy from, uh, from Denver. She's the, the ninth district city council member. Um, Hmm. Candy with an I, let me get her. It's at Candy Sidebaka, C-D-E-B-A-C-A. She's like an epic tweeter. And it's like, it's really cool that she represents parts of Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, like she said something like make no mistake. Uh, Oh, here we go. If you live in Aurora, this is from three days ago. If you live in Aurora, call into public comment now. Yes. At 10 35 PM, they are stacking the public testimony against increasing minimum wage. Just call in and you don't need a long statement. Just tell them how you feel. And then she retweeted. Oh no, I'm sorry. She also said, make no mistake. Minimum wage labor is hardly better than sharecropping or slavery. Laborers mm-hmm. aren't even guaranteed a roof over their head. Capitalism equals devil emoji. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like a hardcore socialist. Mm-hmm. And she's like, fuck, I'm going to say that. And, you know, I'm when she's up for re-election, I'm going to give her the maximum donation. I think it's like 500 bucks. This is the max mm-hmm. you can give. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to her. She's awesome. Right. Start saving my money now and give it to her. <laughs> I'm psyched. So, so cool. I love that she's in Denver. Our other, our, um, I don't know who your city council member is, but mine is Chris Hines, who's handicapped. Okay. I feel like that might, I feel like I, like the last election I voted, mm-hmm. he was in that, so he might be mine. Also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, he's disabled and in a wheelchair, and I love his, he's like all about kind of like pop, populist um, solutions and like really practical working class solutions around transportation. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. And also Denver just passed a local proposition. The, the voters of Denver voted to approve, um, this measure that gives more power to, f- from the mayor to the city council, mm-hmm. which is great. Anytime you have more power to more people, you know, that's democracy and that's good. Yeah. I was actually, I was looking at that. I mean, the ballot, our ballot was so long mm-hmm. and, just exa- just as everything was going on, it was like, I'm exhausted. I, I care about this and I want to vote. And also I actually care about knowing what the fuck these issues are and what they mean. And, and uh, Colorado is a state where it's very easy to get on the ballot as a presidential candidate. So it's very right. common for us to have 20 plus presidential candidates. <laughs> yeah. And I know that that's like a little silly. However, at the same time, you know, I, I care. I want to know what these people are saying. Uh-huh. Um, Rock de la Fuente. Yeah. Yeah. 
so at least see, you know, like, what does this mean? I mean, there are ones uh-huh. where I'm like, oh, I know what the American Constitution Party is. I'm not for them. Sure. Don Blankenship, I believe. <laughs> well, I, I just know that that was That's created him. by um, Tom Tancredo, and he's just horrible. Yeah, it's not a good. Yeah, they're not good. So, so I don't really look into their platform. However, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, wh- who has the platform and what are they saying? Sure. And this kind of stuff. And, and I, I think I got about two thirds of the way through the list and then I was like, all right, I feel satisfied that I did some <laughs> homework on some socialist mm-hmm. parties. Cause I'm pretty sure that in 2016, I did vote for a socialist candidate. I don't remember which one cause I'm uh-huh. not actually a member. It was just like, there's like three or four and right. I like this, this platform. So I'm going to support it. And, um, this year I did support the green party. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people, hmm? I was going to, uh, political operatives look at that stuff. They look at how many people vote for those people and say, we need those people. Exactly. They change, they and change that's, that's a big reason why I voted for, for the green party was because, well, I looked at the history and in 2016, Colorado went for Hillary. And because of that, I was like, Oh, well, you know, Hillary in her own way was not popular at all right. in certain circles and certain groups. And so if she took Colorado four years ago, then it's not going to be a stretch for an old white man to take Colorado. Right. You felt good about, year. yeah, yeah. Yeah. About the fact that I'm not really worried about this bullshit spoiler thing. I mean, I, I, I considered it. However, mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's important to show that these other candidates do have support. Although it was a little sad that, I mean, I think Kanye West had almost as much support as the green party in Colorado. That's right. Which, yeah, like 40,000 votes or something like that. Or maybe, in, yeah, it, it was, was a lot. it was something where I was maybe 10,000. Like, it was crazy. Let's see how many votes Kanye got in Colorado. <laughs> and, and I, I get, I get it because I get that it's a personality contest. It's a, or it's a popularity contest, you know, uh-huh. like, we say, you know, to kids, oh, it's not a popularity contest. Oh, fuck yes, it is. Everything in well, our culture. I mean, I've a heard. popularity contest. Well, I was hearing people who were like, yeah, I voted for Biden, but like, I don't really care. So there's a lot of people who like aren't invested. They're just not as knowledgeable. You know, most people are not as knowledgeable about us. And if they get interested in anything about politics, it's about like a singular issue that affects them personally. Mm-hmm. Um, getting themselves a job or money in their pockets or, you know, mm-hmm. some tax break or, uh, or if they have like a, a loved one who's LBGTQ, you know, like there's mm-hmm. usually, most people are like single issue uh, or like the, I, just, I care about this at this time. That blows my mind, honestly. Yeah, I know. It's not intersectional. I love the term intersectional. On the, la- the last pod I was talking about how, when I learned that word, it, it made me understand my politics better and made mm-hmm. me understand feminism and race issues better and class issues. I always uh, like thought something like that, but once I learned that term, it helped me really understand how things connect, how everything's a class war. Yeah, I just um, I just heard this word that I thought you would enjoy if you haven't heard it before: misogynoir. <laughs> okay, which is the intersection of both racism and misogyny, especially against, you know, so obviously women of color, black women in particular. Wow. Yeah. And I just, I thought that was a really great term. And I was like, Oh, I need to remember that. That's, that's relevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, 
when talking to my conservative friends and friends of friends, oh, by the way, Kanye got seven, oh, 7,639 Colorado votes. So yeah, that's a lot. Um, when I talked to Versus my, Howie, how many did Howie Hawkins get? Uh, the green party, Howie Hawkins, 8,535. So just edging out yeah, Kanye like, by almost a thousand. Yeah. I mean, it's one of, it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't surprise me. And at the same time, I am shocked and horrified. Yeah, seriously. Um, one thing I, talk to my conservative friends about, and it's funny, like talking to conservative white men who are like in their forties and fifties and have a lot of money, I'm going to have completely different conversations, you know, than I am Mm -hmm. with a black woman uh, who grew up in Kansas and lives in Colorado and, um, you know, has a working class job and is in her twenties. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Like my ideas remain the same, but my conversation is going to be different because Mm -hmm. I, they're different people and like, I want to achieve a different goal with these people. Mm -hmm. And so I try to destigmatize the concept of racism um, Mm -hmm. because I think it's important to like be comfortable with the idea of making mistakes and, you know, Mm -hmm. growth is not linear. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's like a huge problem with racism is, is that people don't understand that growth isn't linear and people think that like being, saying something racist or doing something racist um, is automatically like detrimental to your character. Yeah. It makes you a bad person. Right. If you're a good person, then you're not racist. And if you are racist, then you're a bad person. And that's, that's it. Right. And there's also racism that, that does relatively little harm. You know what I mean? Um, And there is also like what you do. Morality is a lot of factors. I don't think it's just one factor. It's very complex. Mm -hmm. And I think part of morality is often, but not always what you do after you uh, take an action that is seen as immoral. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can even make, you can make it much worse or you can grow as a person (laughs) and like make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, Like whether it's using gender pronouns, you know, like this happens a lot with my conservative friends. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll, they'll like refuse, they like hate, they'll like refuse to refer to mm-hmm. uh, Tash Sultana as they or something like that. Like they'll okay. insist on calling Tash Sultana as she. And I'm like, you're so threatened by mm-hmm. the idea of like somebody labeling you as something that like you're just lashing out like a fucking child. Um, when it's like, just make the mistake a couple times, like train your brain, like do the fucking mm-hmm. hard work of like taking 30 seconds to train your goddamn <laughs> brain. And then it's like, fine, the rest of your life. But they don't right. want to, they don't want to do 30 seconds of work. Right. I don't like that. Discomfort is also a judgment on them. Somehow mm-hmm. the fact that they're feeling this discomfort, they associate this huge judgment that they're a bad person. And so then they reject all of that. And, you know, yeah, I definitely think that destigmatizing also, I think destigmatizing um, like sexual assault, I think would go a long way mm. in that because I think that is something that really bolsters the male fragility mm-hmm. uh, of of the issue where it's like, no, of course it's not okay. Of course, institutional racism or even just everyday, you know, like personal racism, no, that's not okay. And misogyny, not okay. Sexual assault, not okay. However, it's just a thing that happens and if we could just talk about it, that would be nice because it would make it easier mm-hmm. to get through this. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It's unfortunate people take so much pride in being conservative. You know, I, I, I take no pride in 
being like, I'm conservative in my habits. You know what I mean? I go to sleep at nine 30 at night and I wake up at five 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I'm not fucking proud of that. <laughs> like, like I don't drink, I don't drink, but I'm not like proud of it. Like, I think it's ridiculous to be like proud of your, and to like force other people to be conservative. Like, I think no, no part of me values conservatism, like, or in terms of like boasting it. And so I think it sucks that a lot of people are like, I grew up to be proud to like be resistant to change essentially. <laughs> well, I will say that this is reminding me of, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Russell Brand. So Russell Brand mm-hmm. is uh, a British actor. However, I think he's way more interesting as like a writer and an activist. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's interesting. Yeah. So he had a talk show at some point. I and on this. the talk show, he invited the Westboro Baptist Church. Yes, that was amazing. Yeah. And and I think he just did such a wonderful job. I mean, people in his audience are obviously very, you know, leftist and strange and anti-Westboro <laughs> Baptist. And right. so people were booing and all kinds of stuff. And he's like, wait, you know, like, don't. I have them on for a reason. I actually want to have a conversation with these people. And like you booing like a Jerry Springer audience is not going to help. And, you know, I mean, and they're honestly, they, they definitely, even if no matter how misguided they may be, you know, they do have an honest belief that they are helping people by telling them, uh, no, this is bad and you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. And so, mm. you know, turn away from that, from this sin. Um, and I think that's a lot of where the pride of the conservatives comes from is that you believe that what you're doing really is ultimately good. And if you're being persecuted um, by secular society, then, you know, that's all the more reason to stand up and be proud. Yeah. It's almost proof uh, that what you're doing is the right thing. Right. Right. And, and I think, you know, I definitely, again, I have empathy for that position. Like I know what it's like to be like, everybody's doing this and they're saying it's the right thing. And I think it's wrong or whatever, you know, there's just different issues, you know? So like some people think that when it comes to, you know, veganism and, and their diet. And some people think that it's that when it comes to, you know, family values and homosexuality and so mm-hmm. what things are just going to destroy you are just very different mm-hmm. <laughs> for people. Um, yeah. And that, and going back to what I said before, I really think the emotional connection matters so much, like mm-hmm. rather like, and, and again, being in a place of privilege and a place mm-hmm. of comfort, I, in the karmic sense um, am allowed to feel this way. Like my karma or my, my environment has, has influenced me to, um, be able to have like empathy for them. Mm. And so it's my role. I think it's very important for me to fulfill the role of being empathetic towards these people while disagreeing with them, like not showing them anger and hatred, showing them love um, not expecting everyone to do that because some people in a karmic sense need to give hate. Um, that's like where mm. they are in their karmic journey. But for me, like I need to give love and I believe that that changes people's minds. And this Ted talks I was watching with this Westboro Baptist church lady who like ran the Twitter mm. feed. 
and like her parents were like like big time leaders um mm-hmm. <clears throat> she is now strongly against them and a civil rights activist and speaks out against them and she mm-hmm. said in this TED talks that 95% of what she got was hatred from people who disagreed with her and every once in a while somebody would give her compassion who disagreed with her and and gave her love that she didn't deserve and mm. um she said like that's those were the seeds that were planted in my mind and at the time i fucking ignored them but over time the seeds grew into trees and and like my my mind changed and and i'm like that's so powerful i'm so glad i saw that Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there was also a guy who was going to be a school shooter who did a Ted talks and he was like, I bought oh, the wow. gun. I was ready to do it. I had my targets. And he said it was his, his friend whose couch he was sleeping on. Um, his friend just being nice to him and showing him love. And he said like at the end, he said, give love to people who you think deserve it the least because those mm-hmm. are the people that need it the most. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Jesus Christ, that's so powerful. Like, I'm really glad mm-hmm. I watched this. Like, I need to incorporate that into my own life. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a that's a great example of something that is not inherently a Christian value. However, it does have, you know, Christi- Christianity is something that in certain groups does promote that kind of idea. Yes. And... Mm-hmm. And so it, it's really difficult, you know, as much as, as much harm as Christianity has done or any religion, not just Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just are experiencing Christianity here in the West <laughs> that sure there's are. also good. And, and also that ambiguity can make it really difficult for people to separate themselves from it or mm. have clarity on like what part they agree with and what part they disagree with. Mm-hmm. And things like that. So, yeah. and I think that's another, I mean, that's part of that feeling really proud of being a conservative and standing up for your values. That's and, right. right. You know, like, cause anyone can appreciate that. Well, maybe not anyone. However, many people can appreciate that caring for those who maybe seem like they deserve it the least need it the most, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that doesn't have to be a religious thing. It doesn't have to be a Christian thing. Right. I do. I think Jesus was a socialist. I mean, mm-hmm. every, every conservative who's a Christian is like, well, Jesus uh, didn't want to participate in politics. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, but I'm not Jesus. And I think that I would want to implement a political system that influences, not forces people to act like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what our criminal justice system is. They just, it's just their concept. Again, a Christian fundamental society. It's just their conception of what Christian is. So doing drugs, not Christian, throw them in prison. Mm-hmm. Aborting babies, not Christian, throw them in prison. So mm-hmm. that's why it's so dangerous to have, have a, like, I think Jesus was a socialist, but I don't mm-hmm. think anybody should, I, I think we should use Jesus as an excuse to get people to vote for socialism. Like Martin Luther King did, <laughs> right. you know, like back in the day, there were so many Christian socialists, Mm-hmm. But I don't think we should rule with Christianity in mind because, as you know, it, it can be distorted and controlled. Um, mm-hmm. And I agree that this is not it's not a Christian idea to give love to those who deserve it the least. However, I do think it's a Christ like idea. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think Christ 
like taught, I think more than anything, Jesus tried to teach that, mm-hmm. that like you need to give love, like you need to anoint the feet of the the beggar mm-hmm. and you need to, um, you know, like praise the prostitutes and like hang out, like teach them the word mm-hmm. um, and, and feed them. Like that's, I think that is really Christ-like to give love to those who deserve it the least because they need it the most. And I think Jesus was like a socialist, but, um, but it's not a Christian idea. It's a Christ-like idea because Christianity right. fucking blows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christian. Yeah. I mean, and, and how just Roman yeah. it, it became and now it, how political it became. Right. So Roman. As a movement. Mm-hmm. Aggressively Roman. Mm-hmm. And which which explains why America is so Christian in that way, in the sense that you know they're very also Roman. That's a that great point. Yeah, empirical, I, imperialist mm-hmm. type way. So they and, definitely parallel. And one of my friends did tell me recently, like people apparently, like either the founding fathers or some like important people at the making of this country modeled our our society after Rome or our democracy after Rome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and my response was that like, yeah, of course we did. They had slaves in Rome. Like it was quote unquote <laughs> democracy. It was democracy for those who, who we deem are humans. Right. Right. <laughs> and the people who are humans are white people who have property and mm-hmm. have a penis. Right. And, and as you know, we've, we've like expanded the definition of who's human or who, who has the right to act like a human in this movie. Mm-hmm. society it's crazy very slowly and grudgingly mm-hmm. over the years <laughs> yeah um earlier okay my mom i was you made you talking had me gave me so many thoughts before um mm-hmm. i i learned once uh well i guess through learning through when i took latin i learned that government in latin means mind control like govern means to control and mente means mind Oh, which sounds super scary. Um, and I, and I'm like, well, the conspiracy theorists would love this. And I was one for mm-hmm. many years, but, but I think it's only scary when the government is not a democracy. Um, because mm-hmm. like if government is mind control, um, if you don't have a democracy, that means that other people are controlling your mind. And if mm-hmm. you, if you can maximize democracy, it means that you are controlling your own mind. Because mm-hmm. in a democracy, the government equals the community. It equals like mm-hmm. all of the people. And so nobody else is, is controlling your mind. You are controlling your own mind through the democratic process. Um, so, so it becomes much less scary. But I, do, I, I like thinking about how government is mind control. It's a way of like organizing everybody around central laws so mm-hmm. that we can all fucking agree on, on how to like go about our business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Agree to go about our fucking business. That's yeah. that's Con- what it is. It's controlling our minds to like not run red lights and like stab <laughs> people who don't give you the right change. <laughs> you <Right. know. laughs> Basic niceties. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and in other places, it's okay to run some red lights. Everybody kind of knows when it's okay and when it's not. They have a different that's right, mind I've heard control about there. Is that, in, <laughs> is that in like Central America? South America. I don't know, like Italy. Oh, definitely. From what I've heard, I, I don't really, I mean, I've been to Italy, however, I don't remember really interacting sure. with drivers much. So 
My friend said in Ecuador when he went there, like the street lights, the, the yellow light comes before the green. <laughs> so it's like, oh, like get ready. Yeah. Like it just like encourages people to like run the red light before it starts sort of like mm. rev their engine. I'm like, that's bizarre, but I guess maybe it works. Like you said, like it's, it's a different way of running a society and I, I, I can't, I don't No one taught me that and I don't know if it's good or not. So who am I to tell? Right. Well, I mean, in our culture, in America is not entirely homogenous in that way either. So, right. Because, you know, you go to different parts of the country and people have different expectations of how you're going to drive and, and that kind of stuff. And, and then Colorado is so many different expectations that it's complete insanity. And right. I think that's why it's so bad anything here. because it's whatever people are doing. It's going to be crazy because they're from somewhere else. Mm hmm. Yeah, yesterday someone made made the. I was in my car and someone made the wrong turn down Clarkson, like right outside my building, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, totally expecting it at every turn in Denver, so mm-hmm. it no longer shocks me. So I'm like, oh, of course, it's yet another person doing the wrong thing. So I beep, I do the beep beep, and he like stops, and I like do the. I do the univ- what I think is the universal sign for turnaround, okay, <laughs> which might also be a home run. Or um, I think that's goaltending in in basketball. It's when I'm twirling my index finger in a circular motion. Right. But it could also be, I think it could also be something sexual. Although I think any gesture anything could be something. Could, sexual, anything with so. your fingers <laughs> moving. Yeah, that's guys. true. So I guess that. Yeah. All right. So like. So yeah, I turn, yeah, around. told him to turn around, and he did. And he's like, "Oh, thanks." I'm like, don't worry about it. It happens literally mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Denver is hard. Denver's hard to navigate. And then you have people from all over. So you have different mm-hmm. driving habits, like you said, making things chaotic, I think, and more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and mm-hmm. then you got people like fucking getting high. <laughs> driving around. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What's up? Oh, I was going to say that it's interesting that that's, I feel like that's both our strength and our weakness in America is the, the it's the opposite of homogeneity the multitudes uh-huh you know we don't we don't necessarily agree on things and in some ways that is really frustrating because it is leading towards this more polarization and at the same time i think we have the opportunity to grow and find more common ground and mm-hmm. i don't know influence the world in a positive way hopefully yeah 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 I think the word you were looking for is heterogeneous. Yes. Or um, yes. I don't know if omnigenous is a word, but all of the people. Oh, right. <laughs> Back to my Latin. Yeah. Um, well, this has been this has been a great pod. Crazy times, huh, Joy? Mm-hmm. I I had one more thing I just wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess we're going on 90 minutes. So like maybe we should cut, you know, maybe do another one another time to keep the fun going. But I wanted to talk (laughs) about um, a fundraiser that I'm, I'm organizing with my nonprofit organization that I'm the board chair for. So um, I'm doing a nonprofit. HRAC? Um, No, that uh, not the HRAC. This is IACD, which is the Institute (laughs) for Attachment and Child Development. Okay. And so we are um, an inpatient and outpatient therapy service organization, mm-hmm. um, similar to a social work agency, but we provide these therapy services 
to kids who have experienced extreme childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So many of our kids have been diagnosed with uh, reactive attachment disorder. And um, our therapy services are often the last option for families um, who, who are in desperate situations with, with kids that they've adopted, mm, um, sure. who, they, who they want to get uh, this very particular kind of therapy. And also we um, work with the city of Denver to, um, to help provide therapy to their um, kids in their foster program, which is a brand mm-hmm. new thing this year. So anyway, we're doing a fundraiser on Friday, December 4th. Um, it's called Feel Good Fridays, and it's going to be um, on Zoom. And you can um, get tickets, which are free, free tickets to the fundraising event, and it's all a virtual. Um, you can get it at instituteforattachment.com slash feelgoodfriday. And once again, it's Friday, December 4th, and I'm going to be hosting it as the MC. But okay. it's going to be a storytelling event. Oh. Similar to the narrators. Nice. Yes. And so we're going to have people tell stories. Um, the theme is growing for the night. And we're going to raise money. Our goal is $10,000. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So instituteforattachment.org. Not dot com, institute for attachment.org slash feel good Friday. And that'll get you to uh, our Eventbrite page where you can get a ticket for free, just an RSVP. And that will keep you in the loop on getting um, updates and, and kind of the, the Zoom information to, to kind of get into the fundraising event. So I hope to see you and everybody there. Cool. All right. Well, I pulled it up. Great. My, my Eventbrite. Great. Yeah. Institute for attachment.org slash feel good Friday. And it's, it's the event is Friday, December 4th from 6 PM to 7 30 PM mountain time. Okay. Yep. Well, thanks for listening to that PSA. <laughs> Joy, you're the best. Thank you. You're, you're a great person. I love getting on these with you. I miss you. Like we usually hang out in person without masks, breathing on each other. It's great. (laughs) I'm never going to be the same, dude. I'm going to be thinking about your breath every time we meet for the rest of life because of COVID. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't, don't, I'll be ready for it. Right. We were, we were singing into, into microphones Mm -hmm. for karaoke. We'll get back there someday. Yeah. Well, maybe we need to do a zoom karaoke. Zoomioki? Yeah. That sounds great. Okay. Let's do that. And then, you know, it's Denver, so it's always going to be like, there's always the threat of a nice 60 degree sunny day in the winter. So we'll, we'll go on walks in the park. Right. We'll, we'll be okay. We're going to be okay, Joy. Yeah. I have to keep are. telling myself that every, every month. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I'm glad it sounds like you're making some movement on your screenplay. That's right. So. It'd, be un- awesome. it'll be, it'll be done in a few months. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I think the end of the year, maybe right after. Yeah. So look out for that maybe in the future. Um, okay, Joy, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Eva's done with work and let's get some dinner going. Let's do this again though. Some other time. Does that sound good? Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Oh my God. This was great. Thank you. You're the best once again. Um, we're going to, we're going to take it out with, uh, with that still woozy, uh, window that we heard before. So Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Joy, once again. You've been listening to the Unnecessary Podcast. Keep me on your chain. Too bad it's good.